this is Benny Bloss, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show, best one out there. Hey, this is Ryan Dungey, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. Guess what? We're back. Moto X-Pod show episode 205 is back. Very excited. New studio. DJ TJ's in studio. Scotty T's in studio before we introduce those guys. Cherby's for decades. Cherby's has been the leader in moto plastic and accessories with products that fit perfectly, look amazing, and last. Cherby's has what you need. Visit Cherby'sUSA.com or better yet, call 1-800-659-1440. Ask for Brian Fullerton. Talk a little shit. Uh, let them know the Moto X Pod show sent you. They are our title sponsor, and we're very thankful for those guys. X-Brand Goggles on board. Uh, if you guys are looking for X-Brand Goggles, go to your local dealers. Uh, ask for them through WPS. The Lucids are out now. Torque One Racing, handlebars, grips, pegs, shifters, all that good stuff. Shock socks, all sport dynamic wrist braces. Blood lubricant oil lines. Use promo code MOTOX to save. Fly Racing, the 2022 line just dropped. You guys have been, I know you've been hearing about the Formula Helmet. Now there's one out, the Formula CP, for a retail price of $249.95. If you guys have been wanting a Formula, you got to go check this thing out. Hit, your, hit up your local dealerships. Go find some. Power Band Racing. If you guys run WP Suspension, you need to check out Power Band. We've got Billy Edmondson from Power Band on tonight. Berm Lords Graphics and Jersey ID. Our Jerky. EatRJerky.com. Use promo code MOTOXPOD21 to save. I have got to place a new order. I need to stock the new house with our jerky. Williams Moto Works and Extreme Colors Helmet Painting all on board the Moto X Pod show. Very excited. Lots to talk about. Got a great show tonight. Derek Kelly coming on, TPJ Rider. Jordan Jarvis is going to come on. She made the, the show, the 40, Fast 40, this weekend. Uh, so we're going to talk to her a little bit, and then Billy Edmondson from Power Band Racing. But, uh, Scotty, man, back in studio, finally. It feels like it's been a long time. It has been a long time. It's good to be back. Uh, thanks for everybody for hanging in there, and we're in a bigger, better place. I like it. Yeah, man, we've got room for guests. We've got a couch over there. We've got extra chairs. We get some other. We get another on-mic guest at some point, uh, so a lot, lot more room. Yep. I think our studio may be bigger than the uh, Pulp Mix studio now. Ooh. The house keeping up with the Joneses. This house is way nicer. <laughs> yeah, Holy nobody crap. has to know that. That place is rad. But uh, DJ TJ, what's up, man? You're you're actually in town. You came over the other night and helped get the camera set up. Got the camera set up. Still, we just we're still tweaking with it, trying to make it right. So yeah, you were messing with lights up until about thirty seconds before we went on. I was basically destroying the place and then fixing what I broke. Yeah, you definitely messed yeah. up. My my light was hanging up, and then you just tore it up, took it down. But that's all right. We're good. And Garrett's saying we have zero sound on the YouTube thing. <laughs> all right. Let's pause this thing for a minute. Okay. Apparently, we're having some uh, some audio issues with YouTube Live. So, if you guys are watching YouTube, or, well, this will be in post, but if you guys were watching on YouTube Live, we apologize. We had it working last night, or I guess it was last night, but um, 
Scotty, we got a lot going on. Uh, we're shit. What seven rounds into the nationals? Yep, five races to go. Five to go. Dylan Ferrandis, man, just I think a lot of people are really surprised, but I think also a lot of people picked him as like the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That you know the the, the guy that would be a surprise. The you know yeah, a guy that was going to do well, not expecting him to do this well, but he has responded to every challenge. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has. That's it. Well, no. What? Dylan's fast. Yeah, Dylan's fast. Yeah, yeah. He's good, real good. Yeah, he's pretty uh, good. At, uh, he's pretty good on dirt bike. If if we go back to the last show that we did um, before the season started, I I was saying that very few moto wins and good just solid <clears throat> podium results would end up putting you in a good point for the championship and. What is he? I mean, he's won some races, maybe like what four or five actual motos that yeah, he's well, won. I think he's been on the podium every round except for two. Exactly, or every moto but, except but for two. He's not necessarily just going out and getting every moto win. Yeah, but he's just being the most consistent. And he's sixty points out. I mean, and that's kind of exactly what could happen if somebody who, who was going to be that guy maybe not have not have guessed Dylan Ferrandis. But I figured that that was going to be the recipe. Just a bunch of podiums. His worst finish is fifth. So I mean, it's that's. What he's what he's been doing and it's working. So I think it's his unless something like crazy happens. And yeah, know. I mean a major bike fa- failure, a couple motos. He'd have to have a couple motos and they are an injury. And I mean he's pushing. You know, even when he doesn't necessarily have to win, you know he wants to win. I mean he's he's a racer obviously, and I mean he gave Eli everything he had to stay in front. You know, a couple motos and Eli got him a couple different times and you know here and there and. uh it's pretty impressive though, and the Eli's turnaround. Like as I haven't told you guys, but we have Eli locked in for August tenth. So a couple oh, shows awesome. from now, it'd be the first time he's actually ever been on the main show. So, but yeah, his turnaround from the first few rounds is just—it's inexplicable. It's hard to explain. I can't figure it out. But the guy is—he's coming on now. He's—he's he's figured it out. It seems like. What do you think's going on with Eli? Um, I think that uh, Eli, it's. I think it's the same Eli, maybe not the first five races. Maybe he was trying to, I don't know, he was just in a weird spot or something with the bike was weird. But I think we're seeing the Eli that we're used to seeing. I don't think the speed if has dwindled much. It's not It's not a very big amount that it's gone. I just yeah. think that the class has just stepped up. I think the class has gotten better. And, and if he's not comfortable, maybe he doesn't push as hard. And I don't think in the beginning of the season there was something, like you said, I, I, I don't think he was comfortable he is now, but I think to me it, it kind of proves to a lot of the people that were like, "Ah, oh, he's just thinking about moving to Yamaha now. He doesn't care, or whatever. That uh, he wants to win. That's yeah, that's yeah. not true. He was upset this last weekend with second, the second mode in the one moto when he didn't get Dylan. Like he he wants to win. I know it's kind of like the first time two two doesn't win the overall like all season. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy. So, and then the two fifty class, Jed is just. Shooting himself in the foot, really. I mean, terrible starts. Is he in his head, or? I don't think so, man. I just think there's something going on with the starts he can't figure out. And, and I don't know. I like the discussion of the generational talent thing. I don't Gen- think he's generational? that. I think maybe someday he'll be one of the greats, but like right now I don't consider him generational. I, I, have, in, I have in my notes that a J-Mart title Oh yeah, I asked him that in the press conference. I mean, so. what if he just goes one one for the? I mean, he's obviously he's still hurt, but he's showing that it's not really bothering that much. If he keeps right. getting starts and he wins out, I mean, it 
mathematically could happen. It's definitely not impossible. I asked him that in the press conference. You know, are you even thinking about it? And he said, no, not really. But it has happened before. Like, it's not impossible. So the, and then the the second part to that question is him missing those rounds and coming back. If he ends up, I know he came into this title to be the favorite and to win the championship. If he ends up getting third in points when they almost pulled the plug for the whole season, that's got to be a success in at Yamaha's eyes. Yeah, I maybe mean, maybe in Yamaha's eyes, not to him, obviously. But um, that's not what he wanted. But you have to take some kind of gratification in that because he's proving he's the best guy. Yeah, I mean, he's riding with a with a bum wrist and stuff, right and like and uh, the next question would be, did like like how does do we look back on Cooper going down up horsepower hill trying to push and catch him? Do we look <laughs> do we look back on that as the mistake of the championship? Does I don't think right now we're looking at it that way, but. In a couple of rounds, could that have been the moment? I don't think so. You don't think it affected? Nah. I mean, he went from second to what? It only ended up eighth, ninth. Yeah, I think I personally think he was a little loopy. I think he hit his head pretty hard. He wasn't. You think, well, he's, luckily he's got two weeks breaks. So. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know that he. I would say he had a concussion, but he hit his head pretty hard. He when he got when he was trying to get back on the bike, he seemed like he was not stable when that bike looked worked yeah and then even after the on the podium he just seemed a little off so i think he rang his bell and then i know just a kind of a side point like when you the shadows are already like i don't know maybe not everybody's like this but i noticed that when i go go through a bunch of shadows like that it kind of gives me a headache and if you ring your bell you're already hot you're already dehydrated to 30 minutes 35 minutes in you ring your bell and you go through those shadows. It had to have been just giving him crazy migraines or something. I, yeah, there's no telling what. He, yeah, he he wasn't comfortable. You know, he he wasn't his normal self. It affected him. I think in a couple weeks, what, like three full weeks, I think. Um, if that if that ends up, he'll be fine. Being something that keeps him from being the fastest guy, and then Jet keeps messing around. Well, I don't think seven. he's the fastest guy because uh, Jerry well, Martin no, is. I mean, like being one of the fastest guys. If <laughs> yeah, he just yeah. if he's if he goes from the end that first or second guy to the fifth or sixth guy, and Jet keeps having these starts at tenth, gets up to fifth, goes down and comes back to eighth. If he keeps having races like that, I mean, kind of goes back to Jerry Jay Mark. Could I don't know. I think I think there's something to be said. There's enough time left for. That could be a something. Jeremy is extremely impressive. If his wrist and arms hurting him in any way, and he's still riding like that, like he looks good, man. I mean, it's <laughs> it's very impressive to see him go. out. I did not expect it out of him out of these last couple rounds. I just I figured top fives, but that was Millville is one thing. It's some place, but then at I the didn't same, expect that at Millville because I mean he's never he's never won it overall right. there, and then he then he he did it on with a bum wrist, so that's crazy, yeah. but. Uh, I guess kind of going back to the 450s guys, my, my notes say Ferrandis for real. Like, I think like he's a guy, maybe Supercross, he may not quite be there yet. He was getting good, though, there. He, he was. But he was still trying to figure that bike out, you know. he's talk, He talked about it on the show a couple of weeks ago that it had too much power, and he was yeah. backing it down, backing it down, getting rid of somebody. He wasn't comfortable. He was learning the bike. Once he got the outdoors, I think he was pretty comfortable. Wait till next year. Yeah, Dylan's gonna be a threat next year in Supercross. I think, I think so too. Yeah, I think also that we're we're kind of there for a while. It seemed like this in the support when the you were going through your Villapoto era, your Dungey era, and even the beginning of the Rocks and Tomac era. The those guys were clearly separating themselves, and like they were fast in in each division. I think now, it, like Cooper's obviously not what he was in outdoors that he was in supercross. I think we're kind of going back to this 
genre of where there might be super cross guys and there might be outdoor guys and there's this just so stacked that one little thing can make or break you in each yeah. discipline so possibly I think let's take a uh, commercial break because we got Derek kelly coming up we will be right back what's up guys this is the seven juice trade out of Antikam. i'm here to tell you about Aturbis USA. For decades, Aturbis has been the leader in motorcycle plastic and accessories like full plastic kits, frame guards, chain sliders, hand guards. In 2020, they are the proud sponsors of Red Bull, Factory KTM, Factory Kawasaki, TLD KTM, and Rocky Mountain KTM, as well as many top privateers such as myself. All you got to do is go to AturbisUSA.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and y'all better tell them Motorhead Pajo Senya. Hey, Dad. Great race. Not sure how you could even see. Thanks, bud. Track conditions were pretty brutal. But thanks to my X-Brand goggles, I had hashtag clear vision all the way. X-Brand Goggles has grown into the goggle choice of many of the top privateers, such as Ben LeMay, John Short, Alex Ray, Kyle Chisholm, as well as 2017 Works and Hare and Hound champion Gary Sutherland. Hey guys, this is Gary Sutherland, 2017 Works and Hare and Hound champion, and I trust X-Brand. My name is Ben LeMay, and I choose X-Brand Goggles. Hi, I'm Andy Kiefer, and whenever I want to be best dressed, I wear X-Brand Goggles. Hey guys, this is Kyle Chisholm. For almost a decade in my professional racing career, I've chosen X-Brand as my goggles. Now, X-Brand Goggles is joining the Moto X Pod Show for 2020 with their EKS, S, and Flat Out Series goggles. Go to EKSBrand.com or email DarksideMX3 at AOL.com for pricing. What's up, guys? This is Alex motherfucking Ray. And if you don't use X-Brand, then you. If you're looking for top quality hard parts, you need to visit Torque One Racing. Torque One Racing has a passion for the racing industry and are a proud supporter of the Moto X Pod Show. Find the flow with Torque One Racing handlebars, levers, shifters, brake pedals, and grips. Torque One Racing is the title sponsor of the Moto X Pod Show, so support those who support us. Visit TorqueOneRacing.com and order your Defy Lock On Grips today. All right, our first guest of the night is brought to you by Fly Racing. Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. The 2022 line just dropped. All kinds of killer changes. The Zone Pro goggles are back. Uh, the Fly Formula CP at a price point of $249.95 with all the Rion technology. A little bit different shell than the, the Carbon, but it's, it's a killer helmet at a killer price. So you guys go check out your local dealerships, ask for Fly Racing. Tonight, Fly Racing brings us from TPJ Racing, Derek Kelly. What's up, dude? How's it going? It's going good, man. I think this is the, your first time on the show with us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've, uh, I haven't had a chance to do too many podcasts, but uh, it's, it's awesome being on here. Yeah, glad to, glad to make that a, get you on here, man. I mean, part of TPJ, who, who's uh, been a part of our show in the past, and uh, we love Teddy. And then you're a fly rider, expert goggles, who sponsors our show, dude. You're you're you need to be one of our main guys, I guess. No, it fits like a glove. <laughs> well, man, talk about your season so far, man. Um, you kind of been averaging like in the I think the twenties. You know, you've had some. Uh, you had a bad race at Redbud, but um, each round seems to get a little bit better. How you feeling? No, it's been a, it's been a long year. I mean, it all started with Supercross. I mean, kind of struggled a little bit there with injuries and such, but. Yeah, I've been kind of kind of on an upward trend the last couple of races, which has been nice for sure. 
Yeah, so I know at Redbud you had a practice or you blew a motor, I think, and then you ended up getting hurt the same weekend, if I'm not mistaken, AC separation. Yeah, yeah. Redbud was <laughs> Redbud's just been bad luck for me. It started all last year. I blew up a bike on the first moto, and then I go back there uh, this year and blow up a bike in the first practice. It's just I'm always so excited <laughs> to go there, but. I, I just can't seem to catch a break. Getting that thing revved up for the leap, it just uh, smoked it, huh? <laughs> for sure. No, it was right before the leap, and it just smoked right in that bottom corner. Hey, that's better than doing it when you're uh, at, on the face. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's never a good one. No, well, man, give us a little bit of your background, dude. I don't know a lot about you. Um, you know, I see you out there all the time, but I just I don't know your history. What's what's your start in racing? What got you involved with it? No, yeah, I'm kind of a sleeper for sure. Like I don't have a lot of info out there, but. Uh, Started started on the amateur circuit like most most guys do. Um, I'm born and raised in Boise, Idaho, so I was kind of coming up not not a not a well known name, but um, I was like top five kid, and then uh, I ended up moving to California and and just uh, racing Loretta's and all that stuff, just just doing the the main circuit, you know. Yeah, but I mean, who got you involved with it to begin with? Was your like your dad into it, or did you just see it yeah. on TV one day and want to get into? Yeah, it? my dad. My dad was always into riding, and uh, he did a little bit of trail riding back in the day, and, and we always watched Supercross, and my uncle ride, rode, still rides, but uh, yeah, he just kind of got into that, got a little bike when I was young, like three years old, and then started doing a little desert racing, and kind of picked it up pretty quick, and somebody said, why don't I try track riding, and fell in love from there. Nice, and you just fall in love with it instantly? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was uh, always harder than anything, like... You know, like I played baseball as a kid and stuff like that, and it always it all came pretty easy. And I was kind of bored with all the pee wee ball stuff. So yeah. riding was riding was difficult, and it was a good challenge. And and I always thought it was fun. So so yeah, I just kind of picked it up from there. Hell yeah, yeah. Okay, so I just kind of wanted to ask you. You know, most of us, especially us sitting in the room, and us most of us listening to the show, we've never been in a pro race. I mean, we've never even, not anything close to it. So I just kind of wanted to get. I've stood along the fence and watched. Yeah, that's that's not the same. Okay. <laughs> no, I just I just kind of wanted an insider scoop, maybe just a little bit of a, a synopsis of about like what, it, how gnarly and difficult or intense any one of those words to describe being in the top 20 in a national. Because like the top 10 yeah. is the one that gets the TV time. and But that top 20 is still super gnarly. And I just kind of wanted your inside perspective of how intense it is for sure i mean it's it's like nothing nothing you can do i mean even in amateur racing it's like the only thing that can even come close is maybe a loretta's but even then you only have probably 10 guys that are really competitive and in the main circuit like outdoor nationals there's 25 30 guys that are like gnarly gnarly guys and uh it's just it's so intense that it's it's balls to the wall the whole 30 minutes plus two you never get a break you never can you, you always got to be ready for everything you know everybody's trying to push forward and yeah nobody's letting you by and a lot of these guys are in great shape especially inside the top 15 top top 20 like it's it's just a battle the entire time yeah that's something we hear a lot from the the young kids the amateurs when they go pro is you know in the amateur ranks you kind of maybe can back it down a little bit or you can take a breather a lap here and there when you're at that top right. level, but in the pros, like you never, there is never a chance to go under hundred percent. Like if, if, if you're not on it the whole time, you're, you're going to get passed by a bunch of guys probably pretty quick. For sure. I mean, it's, you look at it. Gnarly, like 
amateur riders all the way back to the mid thirties. Like all those kids have won amateur titles. A lot of them won Loretta titles. So they've all been at the top. And I mean, as amateur a and amateur racing, you race fast kids, but never racing 40 plus fast title winners, you know, like everybody knows how to win at that, that stage. And, and everybody's on the gas for sure. Uh, talk about the TPJ deal. Uh, we know Teddy, obviously, for a long time, man. He is so supportive uh, with the privateer guys, and his heart is fully into this sport. What, what, how'd that deal come about, and what's it like working with him? No, Teddy's a, Teddy's a really good guy, and, and that whole program is, uh, is just surrounded by good people. Like I couldn't be more thankful to be on that program. But Teddy, last year, I was uh, on JMC Racing, for supercross and yeah. then they, they had me out with a bike but i was trying to struggling trying to get to the races last year and um, i ended up getting on like the transport rig and introduced to teddy and and he helped me out a bunch even though i wasn't on his full program and uh i was just looking it was a similar deal this year where i was coming out of supercross off of aje and uh looking for something and i ended up going for the full deal this year and, and it's been awesome nice yeah he we we love teddy uh, so would you consider yourself more of an outdoor guy or, or supercross guy? Do you prefer one? What are you more comfortable doing? Yeah, it's, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say I prefer one or the other. Like obviously supercross is a, is a lot less, um, I wouldn't say less work, but it's, it's not as much right. Like it's not hard as hard on you. Oh yeah, and, for sure. Like you, you go out there and you're only on the bike for 30 minutes in a day, basically. Yeah. And then yeah. when you go to outdoor national, you're an hour and a half of wide open when it comes from qualifying all the way up into the two motos. Yeah. Brutal so, temperatures. Yeah. Yeah. Just hot outside. You got to get up early. Super gosh, You can less wake money. up at nine o'clock. Yeah. And you get more money back. It's less money out of your pocket for, for super cross. Yeah. But it's just, I mean, I, I would like to do super cross if, if I could only do that, but I mean, it's, <laughs> It's not in the in the cards right now. I mean, yeah. outdoors, I've I've seen to do a little bit better. Like last year, I had a little bit better luck, but um, Supercross, I just have a hard time staying away from injuries. You know. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I well, <laughs> I'm one to talk. I mean, I'd kill myself on a Supercross track, and it just <laughs> it, the, it's so much less forgiving. I think you know the yeah. with the jumps. Of course, for the sure. speeds are higher in outdoors, but um, yeah, I, Supercross is gnarly for sure. Yeah, the the margin for error is just so small, and anything can go wrong. Like last year, I broke my leg at the third round, and it was due to a bike issue. So mm. it it can can happen with not even your own fault, you know. Sure, of course. I uh, so so I, I watched some of the the race, and I saw that you were kind of like you were battling with Volan and a couple other guys. When you see those guys on those factory bikes, and like they're uh, it's obtainable, and they're right there. Do you do you get some like extra motivation, or do you kind of have to just look at all of them as just another guy to beat? Where do you kind of lie on that? Um, it it's kind of like I was thinking about that a lot this weekend. Like after on Sunday driving home, this weekend was really the first round where I felt like I could compete with those guys. You know, like I've always like the last couple of years, I've I've been up there and I've had some good finishes, but I've never really like stayed with them when they get around me or like gone back and forth with them as much as I did this weekend. Um, it's always like you think about it in the back of your head, like, Oh, this guy's on factory, whatever, but they're just another guy to race on the track. And I'm trying to take their job as much as they're trying to take mine, you know? 
Yeah, you got to look at it like a guy like uh, McAdoo, right, who started out right. basically as like a privateer or Weston Pike in the past, and then right, you know, you work you work your ass off, and you keep getting good results, and maybe you get a filling ride at some point, and then you take that factory ride. Right. Yeah, I'm just <clears throat> I'm just trying to put in good rides, and yeah. uh, I take it one step at a time, obviously. But um, obviously, the main goal is to end up making a paycheck and being able to support myself. I know it's, it's a lot of, a lot of, uh, weight on my parents right now. And mm. TBJ has helped me a lot and a lot of guys on, on their program. So hopefully one day I can get to a point where, where I'm, uh, com- competing for wins, you know? Yeah. How old are you right now? I'm 22. So I turned okay. 23 at the, the end of the year. So I'm, I'm not uh, super young, but I'm not quite out of it yet. Right. Yeah, for sure. Where do you train? What is, who do you train with? Uh, do you have uh, you know, as far as off the bike and on the bike? Yeah, I'm located in uh, SoCal, so I I train at all the all the main tracks down here, like Paula and Glen Helen and, and State Fair and all that. Um, I have an on the bike trainer. His name's Jay Weppel. He's he's pretty well known in the industry as far as trainers go. Um, I also have a off the bike trainer. His name's uh, Evan Nystrom. He's a uh, he's a newer guy. He writes my programs. He's out of uh, Washougal actually, so he was a big part of my program um, this weekend. He he helped me out with some stretching and pre race stuff and. And all that stuff with uh, warm up and and getting the program all together. Nice for you as a true privateer. Uh, what is the most difficult thing you deal with on a week to week basis? And what is something that would make things in your life way easier? Whether it be the easy answer is a bigger purse, obviously. But let's right. let's get rid of that. Let's just say something that something other than a bigger purse. Is there anything that stands out? Um, I mean as a privateer, you obviously, you, you deal with your own program. Like there's a lot more on your plate as far as you have to deal with getting the bike ready and worrying about if you have enough parts ready and, and getting to the track on time to build the bike and, and all that stuff. It's more like on your plate. And then obviously the equipment's not as good, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a lot more on the plate. Like if I could just focus on racing and, only physical stuff and getting to bed on time and eating the right stuff all the time. It would be, that would be the main thing that I would say would be the biggest separator. Okay. I like to ask people that the, the diet thing that, you, that the professional athlete has to maintain for me would be impossible. Like there's, I don't, if I had all the talent in the world, I don't think I could bring myself to not eat ice cream and not <laughs> have a steak and potatoes and with lots of butter. Like I just, I don't think I could do it. I, I just couldn't. Right. Is that easy for you? Cause like some guys, um, it's no big deal, but man, I like, I like literally last night sat on my couch listening to pulp MX for five hours while eating chips, <laughs> queso. And then I had some ice cream and I think I had some, yeah. yeah, man. Like I, I just, that's my addiction. No, for sure. I'm, I'm into food just as much as the next guy, but you got to look at it. Like I did a couple experiments with, to see if it would really make a difference. And it's, it's a huge part of the program. Like if you think about it, like everything that puts in your body, it's like putting gas in your car. Like, uh, if you're not putting fuel in, you're not going to get good out. And, <laughs> and if you go and try to eat a steak before an outdoor national, you're going to fade from 10th to 22nd. And, it's not going to be a good day. So do you think that's why I'm tired like 24 hours a day and I feel like crap all the time? Yeah. 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 I mean, I'll, you got to look at your diet. If you're, if you're struggling with sleep, like sometimes yeah. if you're, you're eating the wrong stuff, if you're, you're just feeling weighed down, a lot of it just comes from either bad produce, like as far as GMOs and all that stuff, or you're just eating too many, 
too many calories, you know? <laughs> oh man. I hate hearing that. Cause I'm miserable, but they, when I get to eat, I'm pretty happy. So <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, what you got, no, Scotty? You just, um, so just kind of, uh, something that's been going on and that seems trending is people are kind of reemerging doing the, uh, arm pump surgery. I'm just wondering if arm pumps, anything that you deal with and if would you, and if so would you ever consider doing something like that or how what do you what do you think about the the surgery yeah arm pump is is a huge pro- part of the program or or a, a a bad side of the program um it's hard to deal with i uh i've thought about the arm pump surgery but it's it's not worth it in the long run like i was on the aje team with chris blows and he's had a few different surgeries and looking at his arms and and he says it's not even worth the couple months that you get and you still end up getting an arm pump, you know, like right. it, it ends up turning into scar tissue and you have these messed up muscles and it is it, in the long run that it, it gets worse. But the main thing for me is I, uh, I invested in a company or partnered with my dad and another guy in a company called and we have a magnesium cream that helps a ton with arm pump. And that was a game changer for me earlier last year, he helped me out with some stuff and, and I was able to, for the first time in my career, do a 30 minute moto without arm pump at the top level, like going as fast as I can, you know, that that's awesome. Say the name of the company again. You cut out. <laughs> it's called true fusion sports. Okay. We're, uh, we're a pain relief and, um, CBD free, um, recovery, muscle recovery, uh, all that kind of stuff. Are you, are you their only, are you their only athlete in motocross or do they have others? We, uh, we help a bunch of different athletes all over uh, all sports. Um, Jack Chambers is an amateur kid. He yeah. did a couple uh, couple different races this year in yep. pro. He did like High Point and Red Bud. Um, we help him out, and then we have a, a few different amateur riders. Uh, we have a bunch of bunch of different guys. We have a Chris Howell. We helped out um, another guy from the Northwest, and we're we're just trying to trying to get it off the ground. It's just a lot of work when I'm racing full time and right, and right. all that stuff. Yeah, well, I'm going to check that out. True Fusion Sports. Uh, once again, Derek Kelly brought to you by Fly Racing. <clears throat> what are your uh, What are your goals for the next five rounds? Uh, are you going to make all of them, first of all? Yeah, I have, that's all in the in the cards right now. We're we're going to all the nationals as far as barring anything, you know? Yeah. Don't want to say anything, knock on wood. But sure. uh, the goals is to keep improving every round. You know, I don't want to get stagnant. I'm I'm happy with the results this weekend, but it's definitely not the top of the mountain for me. I'm I'm looking to crack that top ten eventually this year, hopefully. Yeah, good good get... goal. Is there anybody that you find yourself battling with week in and week out? Is there a couple guys that you just are always surrounded by? Yeah, I mean it's the the crowd mixes up so much inside yeah. the top twenty. Like you you uh, you battle with all those guys like. The last couple of weekends, I've been battling with uh, Forkner. He's been coming from behind and getting me the last lap, which is kind of pissing me off. But um, <laughs> Forkner and Swartz have been have been around me a lot. And then, okay, uh, Ram Miller Alves. He he uh, he's been around me the last like earlier the few rounds. This round he wasn't. He had a rough one, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's all those guys are just mixing it up inside of the top twenty. Like there's about twenty five people, or I guess like from. 10th to 25 is kind of any day is a hit or miss, you know? Right. Yeah. We, <clears throat> excuse me. We had Ramalier on a few weeks ago. I like that kid and he's been good for fantasy points. So yeah, right. I actually had no, he killed a... it this week in fantasy. Thank you. I got a hundred points from you. 
Yeah, I, I'm over here working, but I do want to jump in. My buddy JT wanted me to thank you personally for getting him 100 points. Yep. I don't know if you keep up with fantasy, but he oh, is yeah. extremely excited about that. Oh, you're welcome. I uh, I find it interesting to look and see what, what kind of points I get. I don't really do it myself, but I get a few DMs here and there saying, thanks for the points, or or you screwed me on the points kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's interesting. I don't know. I think it's a it's a fun game to to play. If if I didn't race, I think I'd be more into it. But um, it's it's interesting to see. Like I think it's two weekends in a row I've gotten max points. Yeah, well, I, I I'm glad I picked you, man. I, I actually changed <laughs> to you last minute, and it was yeah, you were my best point. So thanks. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> it's so crazy to think about how like how your perspective of something can change relative to like the time it's going through, like. Take yourself two years ago and tell, and then if you told yourself two years ago that you were going to be battling with Austin Fortner week in and week out, like, right. like yeah. you just, you got to take joy in some of the small things like that. Like, that's really cool, man. For sure. I mean, last year I was, I was happy to start making mains and, and it's just crazy how my goals change so fast. Like I was worried about making night shows and qualifying for outdoor nationals. Now I'm like, I got to get in the points or I'm not going to be able to get to the next race. <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's uh but that's what keeps motivating you driving you for sure it, it's definitely a, a motivator and and the small victories help yeah no doubt um hey before we let you go off the bike like what what do you do to relax what are you into do you have any hobbies music anything like that uh yeah i mean it's it's gonna sound kind of bland everybody says golf but i just finished a roundup today i played 18 right. with mitchell Harrison. So I love golf and uh, I mean mountain biking and and all that fitness stuff. I don't I don't like to sit around too much. I used to be into video games, but my my computer's down, so I haven't been playing for the last year or so. Oh wow! All these, all these graphics cards are way too expensive. Yeah, yeah, you definitely need to get a factory ride. Get you a get you a bonus <laughs> for that, and maybe go right? buy some. But uh, for yeah, sure. I guess I need to take up golf, man. Everybody seems to be into it. it. I've never played. I've I've hit balls in the driving range. It's yeah. it's so it. crazy because to me I kind of describe it like it is as mentally capacitating as motocross is, but in a completely different way. Yeah, because right. like you're not right. in motocross, you're pushing yourself to your mental to your edge of like what you can do and and like the risk that you want to take. But then golf is just you have to take all of that and do the reverse and keep yourself relaxed while doing something right. And I don't know, it's just it's it's very <laughs> addicting. Nice. Yeah. No, it's it's. Like it's just a lot They're like. At me <laughs> no, I'm over here looking at Scott, thinking like he's probably plays frisbee golf. I have, right. I have, I have done that too. Sack golf, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. Scotty's feet. Well, Derek, man, it's been awesome having you on for a little bit. Yeah. Um, look forward to. I'll be at Hangtown, so I definitely need to come by and say hi and introduce myself. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. It was, it's been an honor. Absolutely, man. We'll do it again, uh, you know, maybe before Supercross and see how things are going. Yeah, you keep getting yeah, us yeah. good fantasy points. We'll keep having you on. <laughs> yeah, yeah right? we, we actually, we had a listener reach out and it's like, dude, you guys need to find a privateer to do like a weekly check-in. So how do you feel about something like that? I mean, maybe me hitting you up on Instagram. Do you do Twitter? Uh, yeah, I have Twitter. I don't really tweet much. I usually yeah. look back and I've tweeted a few times. I'm like, why did I say that? <laughs> but, <laughs> well, how do you feel about doing like a being part of the Moto X Pod show, like a weekly check in? We'll maybe yeah, check in on absolutely. you. Okay. Well, uh, I'll text you later this week and we'll figure that out. Maybe we'll just do like yeah. maybe like after practice, we'll get a quick little text with you, see how things are. And uh, that's something that For we can sure. tweet out during the uh, every week and um, we'll keep tabs on you. 
yeah, I'm all I'm all for the as much publicity as I can get, you know. All right, well, um, we're stamping it. Derek Kelly is our privateer check-in from now on. Right on. Dude, appreciate you, man. You have a, a good night. Enjoy a couple weeks off, and uh, we'll see you back, on, back at the race soon. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one. You too, man. See ya. See ya. All right, this is Derek Kelly, TPJ Racing. I like how you put him on the spot there. Like, he couldn't say yeah, no yeah, on the air. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we locked him in. Uh, that's, that's how you do business. You force it. You force it. Yeah. So, um, for the... The man, I'm blanking completely. The guys that aren't watching on YouTube because nobody's watching YouTube right now, apparently, are are we figuring it out or? Yep, yeah, we're good. No, I'm working on it. So is it working though? Right yes, now? it's working right now. Nice. Hopefully, it'll continue to be working. Yes. Um, yeah, having some audio problems with YouTube, but anyway, we're gonna quick a, take a quick commercial bit. Wow. Yep. Can we just start the whole show over? <laughs> we can. Okay. We're gonna call Derek. All right. Call Derek so back. If you're hearing this. We're deleting it right you now. You can't edit <laughs> it. You can, but you can edit all of this. Nah, <laughs> screw it. We'll keep it in. Anyway, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be back with Jordan Jarvis. We all know engine oil is the lifeblood of our machines. That's why you need blood lubricants for the highest level of performance and protection. Manufactured here in the USA and designed to handle the heat and humidity. Blood lubricant oil lines such as Pro Elite Series, Pro Series, and the new Scorpion Blood will exceed all your needs. Whether you race moto, sprint cars, side-by-sides, or anything else, Blood Lubricants has you protected. Tests have shown that engines can run up to 30 degrees cooler while using blood. Just ask Chris Kiefer. DJ TJ and I trust Blood Lubricants in our machines, so you can too. Go to bloodlubricants.com to order today. Don't forget to check out their Chain Lube, Two-Stroke Premix, PolyClean, and many other products. Use promo code MOTOX to support the Moto X Pod Show. Scotty T here from the Moto X Pod Show with another fantastic product from Burn Motorsports. It's Shock Socks, the number one 10-second removable fork seal protector. No one likes having leaky fork seals. With Shock Socks, you can protect your fork seals from the crap at the track in a matter of 10 seconds. Fork seals can be expensive and take away from your ride time. So fight the crime of grit and grime with Shock Socks. Check your local dealer or go to the BurrMotorsports.com webpage. Also, follow them on Facebook and Instagram. So go out and make sure to get your pair of Shock Socks today. If you're anything like me, you remember in the late 80s and the 90s, all the cool custom-painted helmets. Jeremy McGrath, Damon Bradshaw, Jeff Emick, all the top riders showed their style and personality with a custom-painted helmet. I was always envious. I mean, I knew I'd at least look faster with a custom lid. Now you, too, can be like your favorite riders. Be one of the cool kids. Kirk Hunter from Extreme Colors has been painting helmets since 1998 and has you covered. For only $395, you can have a -a one-of-a-kind professional paint job on your lid. Contact Kirk Hunter at xkhelmetpainting at gmail.com and follow them on Instagram at at Extreme Colors, that's X-T-R-E-M-E-K-O-L-O-R-S, Extreme Colors. Be the envy of all your friends and contact Extreme Colors today. Let them know that the Moto X-Pod show sent you, as always. All right, we are back with our next guest of the night. She is brought to us by X-Brand Goggles. X-Brand Goggles has grown into one of the top choice goggles for many of the top privateers including John Short, Jacob Hayes, Ben LeMay, and many more. Tonight, X-Brand Goggles brings us from SGB Maxis Babbitts Kawasaki, Jordan Jarvis. What's up, JJ? Nothing much, just hanging out. Yeah, it's been a little while since we've talked to you. Um, 
But hey, you uh, you've made two nationals this year, right? Made it into the fast forty. Uh, this is actually my first one that I made. I thought you made Paula. Only, that was last year. Oh, okay. Well, that that's. I feel a little bit stupid right now, but that's okay. Still, you made it's a couple. Um, I missed the first round at Paula this year. I was out with an injury. Oh, oh, what happened? Uh, I was getting ready in the off. Or I'm sorry, the preseason. Yeah. And I ended up crashing and landed myself in the hospital for a couple of days. Um, it was a gnarly one. Uh, it sucked because the crash wasn't that bad. Not. It didn't seem like the crash was bad enough to result in the injuries that I had. What were the injuries? Um, I lacerated my spleen. Oof. I cut my lung and I bruised my kidney. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. That's pretty gnarly. I, that's enough. Uh, I know your dad's always at the races with you. I bet that scared him to death. Well, I mean, believe it or not, this is the second time I've <laughs> actually lacerated my spleen. I'm about so, to say I know son. I know two people that had to quit racing because of spleen injuries. I think Austin has that. I think yeah. Faulkner did his spleen. But I, mean, I know people uh, who like lost their spleen or something happened, and they had to quit racing from it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely gnarly. Um, thankfully, the, the doctors at the hospital I, I was at, um, I'm not totally sure if what they did worked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but th- what they told me they were doing, uh, it's called a coil embolization. And they put two coils in my main artery going into my spleen that re, uh, reduces the blood flow to my spleen uh, to reduce the chance of it rupturing um, Wow! R- right around that happening. So they expect the injured part of my spleen to die off and hopefully the healthy part to stay healthy and be working properly. Do you, no, I'm uh, going to ask something really dumb. Do you need your spleen? Mm-hmm. Like what? what? This is a really you dumb don't. question. Don't. Okay. Um it you don't need it, but it is good to have. It helps fight off infections and stuff like that. Especially, you know, with all this COVID stuff, it can't hurt, right? Right, sure. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah, I feel like Austin had his removed. I don't know why. That may be wrong, but I, I feel like that was something he had done. But anyway. Yeah. You you had well, I had the choice to have it removed. Yeah. Um but I just didn't want to put my body through it. They said they had a, a chance that they could hopefully save half of it, and half is better than nothing. So yeah, yeah, I went sure. with that for sure. And also, you know, the medical bill is a little less. <laughs> That's key. That's a key thing to look at when it comes to medical bills. Well, Jordan, oh yeah, made it into you got into the uh, fast forty. Now I know you know you were well, you got fifth, I think, in the LCQ. But does, who cares? I cares? did. Who cares? You got in. Uh, you got the race with the 40 fastest guys, you know, riders in the country. What was that like? I mean, it's it's something that you work hard at every week, you know, you, you, you and you find, you get in there and it's got to be a relief. It it definitely was. Um, you know, Saturday didn't start off the way I hoped it to. Um, I mean, I'm sure I wasn't the only one learning a new track, but that is one of the um, tracks that I have not been to um, so far. So I was trying to learn the track as well as trying to put a fast lap time down. And if I'm not mistaking, uh, Jet Lawrence actually said something about it the same. He was having trouble, um, remembering the track yep. and him and Hunter both, I think had some issues. Yeah. It's a hard track to, to kind of remember. There's a lot of turns to it and there's a lot of like blind Hills almost. Yeah. Uh, so it all, it all kind of looks the same. 
Um, but yeah, it didn't start out the best. I struggled in the first practice. Um, I definitely did better the second one. I dropped, I don't know, probably about four seconds off my lap time. But, you know, everybody else did too. So it didn't help me too much. Right, right. Um, I, you know, it was progress. I definitely felt a lot better on the track that going around for that second practice. But the LCQ, I felt fantastic out there. Um, I didn't get a very good start. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have a great gate pick, but I knew where I wanted to start. And we picked a, a gate and they had just put some water down on mm-hmm. top of the gate before the LCQ. And there was a very hard spot uh, right on my back wheel. And I'm pretty sure I spun like halfway down the straightaway. Um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't ideal, right, uh, right. but I got into six pretty quickly, uh, probably by the end of the first lap leading into the second. And I, for the love of everything, could not get around the fifth place rider. Um, you can probably tell by looking at the track that a lot of the lines tend to lead into the same exit rut. Yep. And I, that's just, that's what I was come like, all my issues were coming into. I would catch him going down the hills and everything like that. I just could not find a place to get around him. Um, but I was setting him up for a lap, lap and a half. And I finally made the pass on the last lap. And um, I could see fourth, third, and second right in front of me. And I was not really close enough, but it was last lap. And we were coming up to the checkered flag right in front of the rollers. And I said, screw it. And I tried to make a block pass um, in that that corner right before uh, the whoops, before the finish line. And unfortunately, didn't slow him down enough. So he ended up uh, getting back past me. But I'm pretty sure I had like the second fastest time in the LCQ. Um, So if I could have just gotten a good start, it should have been an easy in. But, you know, that's how it always that's how it always is. Yes, but uh, it's all, all it, those what ifs. Is yeah, yeah, ifs and buts for candy and nuts, as they say, or whatever. But <laughs> if I mean that's got that's something for you to take away, right? And I think the the a lot of the races you've just been a few tenths or off. You know, you haven't been that far off. So I, I have to assume that you can find the positives in that. Oh, I definitely can. I mean, I was honestly very pleased with my riding. I uh, really kind of been struggling personally. Yeah. Um. And- um, I really don't have that much time on the bike. Um, my first race back was high point. Um, and before high point, I probably had about four days on the bike. Okay. Yeah. And really haven't been riding too much during the week. Um, my dad's moving, my mom's moving. So there's a lot going on and my van actually broke down last week. So I didn't get to ride at all. Sounds like my life. Uh, yeah, I didn't get to ride at all last week. Um, so I really don't have a lot of time on the bike and I just feel like I've kind of been getting back into it, but not at the rate that I had hoped. Yeah. Um, but I definitely am taking a lot of good bonuses, um, away from this past weekend. I really felt like myself on the bike again. Um, and I've been trying to take some, uh, some good notes away from every weekend. Uh, like I said, I'm starting to feel more comfortable on it every weekend. Just this weekend really felt like it clicked. Good to hear. Um, Good to hear. Uh, I want to ask you, you, you mentioned making, trying to make an aggressive pass, uh, you know, there at the end before the rollers. And I wonder, you know, and I hope this isn't in any way disrespectful or whatever, but as a woman rider, do the male riders treat you 
more negatively or do you notice anything like that when you're being aggressive with the guys? Does it bother them more than you think it would if it was a dude or do you even sense any of that? No, it's not offensive at all. <laughs> um, I mean, I definitely feel, feel like it kind of hurts their ego a little bit more. Uh, not only do they have a, a girl right on their butt, but they also have a girl trying to block past them yeah. or, you know, be rough with them trying to get past them. So I definitely feel like it maybe stings a little bit more on their part. Um, but as far as them reacting negatively to it, it hasn't been horrible. Like when I was coming up through the amateur ranks and stuff like that, all the time I would have people trying to take me out because I'm a girl I'm right. touching them and I'm trying to get around them. Yeah. Like when I was doing the Supercross future races, I should have gotten my points pretty quickly. Um, but I got cleaned out like four out of the six races that oh, I did geez. or something like that. Yeah. And, and one of them, it was last lap, last corner. And there was no way either of us were making it out of it. He just didn't want to get beat. Like he even went down with me. Um, so there was no reason for him to do that. He just didn't want to get beat by a girl. Um, so it's, it's definitely uh, interesting yeah, to yeah. see the, ch- the change going from amateur ranks to pro. They definitely don't seem to care as much. Um, maybe That's a good. little bit more respect maybe, um, or they just, and kind of minding their own business. Um, you know, they're out there to race just like I am. Like, it's not like solely focused on, Hey, that's a girl behind you. Like you got to go. It's just like, Hey, it's a person like go. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. So, yeah, I I will tell you the male ego is very fragile. I think I told you this in a past interview when I was 15, 16 racing in East Texas at Swan. Uh, at the time, Christy Sheely was considered the fastest woman rider in the world. And she was from the Texas area. She blew by me in practice like so fast. And yeah, it it, it it just happened to be like right in front of where I was pitted and all my friends saw it. And yeah, it was, I mean, and she was like one of the fastest women in the, you know, rider, one of the fastest riders in the world, period. But some, for some reason, my ego was hurt that this person that was so much more talented than me smoked me. So I, I, it's just a guy thing, I think, Jordan. We're just uh, – our egos are fragile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I I have noticed that I also think part of the reason that the guys have been so good about it is because this is my – I guess it's my third year racing pro moto. So true, they're kind of used to me being there. Like it's not news like, hey, there's a girl racing this weekend. Like you better not get beat by her. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've been doing it for a couple years now, so I, I think it's kind of just normal at this point. So I don't think it's as big of a deal. Um, don't get me wrong. It, it still definitely hurts, uh, hurts some, some guys feelings. That's for sure. Oh, I bet. Uh, but definitely not as bad as it used to be. I, I would love for you to be a Ray straight up some point to please <laughs> park a Ray over a berm. I mean, that, that would be the highlight for me of your, of, of a race. Well, I mean, at the moment, if I if I had any chance to beat him, it would have to be doing it that way because he is quite a bit quicker than I am at the oh, moment. Oh, you have a good chance of beating him all the time because he smokes engines, clutches, <laughs> crashes. He's in the tins. Yeah, all you got to do is just wait for him to do something dumb, poor A-Ray. Yeah, that's not fun, though. Come on <laughs> no, now. We love, we love A-Ray, though. He's... 
Yeah, hey, when, when you're bad like us, we'll take technicality wins yeah, all day. Heck yeah. yeah I know you it, depends, it depends on the race. Certain technicalities are good depending right. on the race. Right, right. Oh, um, so – you know the few the few races that you you have qualified for and made a couple last year and then the one this year, like I was I've been watching them especially I, I went back and watched the one the day after we knew that we were going to talk to you tonight and like you're making progress in the motos like you I mean you passed quite a few people your pace is really good you have endurance and all that stuff like I just kind of wanted to know like what what the things that you think are holding you back from the, dropping that one like heater hot lap and like what you're kind of working on to get maybe that faster qualifying time to get you in more of these because you're proving yourself once you're in them. Yeah, that's honestly, that's always kind of been my issue. I know if I have, like if I can get into the main event, I know I'm good to go because for the most part, I I'm able to outlast the people in uh, my area. Uh, like, you know, 25th, 30th, maybe closer to the top 20. Um, I typically can go for the whole moto and not really slow down too much. Um, so that's always been, I've always been that way. Um, that's definitely a strong point for myself, but I am still working out how to figure out how to do a quick lap time. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm working on doing sprints every time I go out. Um, just doing one or two lap sprints, you know, get the heart rate up quick, um, try to make sure I hit all my marks. Um, but it, it's just something that I think is going to take time for me to learn how to do. Uh, it's not just me. I know quite a few people that have struggled with it. Some people tell me that you got to work on sprints. Some people tell me that it just takes time. Uh, yeah. So hopefully if I just keep on working on sprints, it'll come sooner than later. Um, but yeah, once I get into the main event, I'm normally good to go. Yeah, so unfortunately, I say unfortunately, I've got to watch a lot of your racing because you and my son battled a lot, especially in the Supercross Future stuff this last year. Was, was he the one that took her out? Probably. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know who it was. was. Probably and, Doc. And the, uh, yeah, you and Doc have had some battles, and I know at one point in time <laughs> you actually used him as a like a whoop one time when he wrecked in, right in front of you. So it definitely wasn't was, your was fault. Was that at Oakland? That was at Oakland. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. that's, funny. that's funny. I said you wouldn't the, remember. The fact that you remembered it was Oakland is even is even better. Because it, it was right after the sand wall. Yes, right? it was. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. He just hit it and just endowed over the bars, and then you were like had nowhere to go. But yeah. the question I had was, I've watched you ride. You have plenty of good form. You You look like any of the other riders out there. So the question is, when you're training, and does your trainer do things different because a woman's physique is different than a male's? Like, are the, is, she, is he like, well, you're not going to be as physically strong, so we change the workout, or is it just the same thing the dudes do? Well, if I'm being totally honest with you, I don't really have a trainer. It's just me and my dad. Okay. Um, we've been doing it this way for my whole career. I was a weekend warrior until I graduated high school about two years ago. Um. That makes so, that I makes mean, a lot of guys feel bad. I promise you that you were a weekend <laughs> warrior until two years ago. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely hard. Um, but personally, that's never really been a factor in me or my dad's training regimen or or anything like that. It, we've never really looked at it as I'm a female. Um, I'm not going to be as strong as guys. I have to change something. Yeah. Um, I kind of just do 
when I need to. Um, if I'm not doing something right, I work at it until I can get it right. And if I have to do it differently than a, than a guy has to because of my stature and, and how I'm built, yeah, I kind of just feel that out on the bike. Um, but no, we don't really normally start off by saying, Hey, I'm going to have to do this differently because I'm a girl. Yeah. The reason why I ask is because I just started racing BMX last year and I talked to some guys who, it was a guy who's a trainer for a lot of the BMX guys. And he does, I asked him about that and he does train the women different because their bodies are built different. And, and I get, the reason why I ask is I get beat by a lot of the girls out there on the BMX track. So. <laughs> I mean, it's not exactly uncommon. Like, if you go to a training facility, um, at least in years past, I had gone to SOB and some of the past um, trainers that have uh, worked, had us work out and stuff like that, typically would have the females doing different styles of workout. So, like, push-ups, we weren't required to do a real push-up. We I, could do the push-ups on our knees. If, yeah. Um, like if we couldn't do it, that's one thing, but like, it was just kind of an option. Yeah. Uh, you know, in my opinion, it should be do as many push real pushups as you can and then switch to the other pushups just to finish your workout strong. Gotcha. Um, like don't start off doing, it sounds bad, but don't start off doing the girly thing. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a men's sport. We have to like females in general have to work um, just as how, just as hard, or honestly, in my opinion, we kind of have to work a little bit harder. Um, we normally don't get recognition. And in my opinion, I feel we have to work harder than the guys do to get the fraction of the recognitions that the guys do. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't remember if Geiger or Fo uh, Ashley Folick or, or Filek, I don't remember them doing the outdoor nationals because they had the WNBA. Yeah, the WNBA, they were racing there. <laughs> not WNBA, but you know what I mean. WMX was strong the, when her and Jessica Patterson yeah. and Tara was in that same time. So I don't too. ever remember them even trying for outdoor nationals. I think Tara tried Supercross, but I don't know that she ever did men's yeah. outdoors because they had their own thing at the time. Even after, and even Vicky. Even after the high, or the those couple of years, like I think 07 maybe, mm -hmm. when it was really, really strong. Mm hmm they still kept doing it. They just didn't get to do all the races, and I think maybe they were doing it on Fridays for yeah, a while. Yeah, it was so, weird. So they were still having yeah. the events. They were just getting overlooked, and it sucked because there was some good racing with the yeah. women's class. Yeah, yeah, uh, they, yeah, they never had to. Um, yeah, they were fortunate enough to be racing in what I honestly think was the women's prime time of motocross. For real, um, they were factory riders legit factory riders and they got the same support that the men did and that was it was unbelievable um that was what i grew up watching and that's what i was that that's what my goal was is yeah. i wanted to be ashley felt like i wanted to be under a, a pro team or just be on tv um and it, it does it really sucks that it's gone um you know i really never got a chance to do it. And I was super bummed out. I did get to race WMX the final year they had it, but it wasn't anything spectacular. Um, like we were lucky to get to race at an amateur national. Yeah. Yeah. I remember and, I went to Lakewood. Our first show as a media was 2017 in Lakewood. And I think they raced like Friday evening 
and there was nobody there, man. And I just felt so bad because the girls were hauling ass, and it was good racing. Like, there was really good battles going on, and nobody saw it. Yeah, I mean, it was like that for the last couple of years. And if I'm remembering correctly, there was a WMAX, I think it was at High Point, um, in one of the later years. The race on Friday got rained out for one moto, so they had to race on Pro Day. Mm-hmm. And I can remember some of you know the important people. I'm not going to name names, uh, but but some of the higher ups, the factory support teams, some of the people that were in charge threw an absolute fit, saying that the women didn't deserve to be out there. And I really feel like that put a huge dent in the progress that was made in previous years. And I think it's going to make it a lot harder to get back to that. Yeah, it's a shame. I I hate it. Yeah, that's, this point kind of goes with that, kind of what uh, TJ was talking about a little bit earlier. But um, so, you know, the biggest thing is someone's weakness can be another person's strength. So that that being said, you know, you're in a field of all guys and you're the, and you're the only female. And it's probably easy, and I'm sure you've heard all of them talk about, you know, what the advantages that guys have and, like, what you know their strengths over what woman's weakness so i kind of want you to do the opposite of that what is something that you feel like you're able, you have a better ability to do as a woman than that gives you a competitive advantage over some of your competition as as guys i feel like part of my advantage um at least for me it's i guess it's more on the mental side of things um you know, typically a guy goes out there and goes, hey, yeah, I want to make it. Like, my goal is just to make it because I want to. Um, but personally, for me, it's more of, hey, these people don't think I can. These people don't uh, think I deserve to be out here. Um, for example, actually recently, this past weekend, uh, I saw a TikTok video of my epic failure of a start in the second moto. Um <laughs> I was so caught up in the guy hitting the gate next to me, totally forgot what I was doing. Uh, but somebody on that TikTok video was like kind of throwing some shade at me and was like, hey, like what was her lap times? Kind of like saying like, did she really deserve to be out there? And people are like, oh, she was an alternate and stuff like that. Like that literally fuels my fire. Like that is what makes me really push as hard as I do yeah. um, every weekend. Because it's that kind of stuff that happens to all girls and all women. Like, it's not just me. Yeah. Whether whether it's at Loretta's in a boys' class or any of the amateur nationals, we get that kind of stuff all the time. Should we be out there? Do women deserve to be out there? Like, are we good enough? Um, that is what really pushes me. And I feel like because I have that constant reminder of people, you know, thinking that, is really what pushes me and might give me a little bit more of an advantage and want me, uh, what makes me want it a little bit more than maybe your average guy. Yeah, I like to hear that because I, I do. I see those keyboard warriors too, and we hear it, and, and it's just ridiculous. You're you're clearly fast enough. Uh, you know, I mean, you were only like I said, you're almost you almost made it through the LCQ. You're right there on this cusp of of making it in without being an alternate, and at some point it's going to happen, and you deserve it. I mean, you freaking pass me at cycle ranch at the makeup to mud thing and and like yeah you're i i don't know how you went through the corner that fast yeah because beating you is is a bar but when you're out there you you, the sponsors you are the ringing thing. right now like, 
Like she's clearly very, very talented. She deserves. Oh, of course, I've seen it. The respect for like a year, two yeah. years now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Hey, before we let you go, my buddy Nick from Australia. He uh, he's part of the Moto Limited show over in Australia, uh, and he he's watching on YouTube, and he wants to know if you're single. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am. Okay, well, um, I, Nick, maybe drop it into your DMs on Instagram. Nick's a good guy, so um, yeah. Just if 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 Nick, no, Scotty, no, you can't have her number. Scotty's got a girlfriend. <laughs> go ahead, Scotty. You got one more uh, for her before we let her go. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just real quick, um, if they did bring the women's championship back all 12 rounds, would you do that, or would you continue doing what you're doing? Um, I don't know. Um, it would depend on the progress that I've made in outdoors and it would also depend on how that women's side of it is going. Like if it's going to be what it was in the past, like the, the, the year that I did it, honestly, probably not because other than me just going out there, um, at least for that season, I really didn't have too many competitors. So I was kind of just out there just riding my bike. Like an, expi- um, like an exhibition kind of thing. Yeah, when I'm out there with the guys, you know, I'm I have to make sure I'm perfect. I have to better myself every weekend to make sure, you know, that I am up on the gate uh, for for an LCQ or, you know, the main. Um, so if they brought it back to what it was when Ashley Folick and them were doing it when it was the WMA, most likely, yes. Um, but if it's going to be like it was the year that I did, I would have to say probably not. That's a fantastic answer. That's a competitor. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I like that. Jordan, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate you having some time for us tonight. Um, hopefully see you at Hangtown. I should be there for that one. So uh, come by the truck and say hi and maybe uh, make fun of Alex. <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, thanks again. You have a good night, and uh, we'll see you back at the races in a couple of weeks when we get back to it. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Jordan. Zip. All right, Jordan Jarvis. Yeah, I, I hate the negativity towards women riders or any, even the privateers, the guy, or hell, any of the riders take a Blake Baggett last year, right, when he's not doing well, and the, the keyboard warrior's are like, he doesn't deserve a ride. Man, I just hate that shit. Those guys work their asses off. They're insanely talented, but she deserves so much respect. I mean, yeah, she's not a top 10 rider, right, but she's real close to being a top 40 rider, and that's better than probably 99% of the country anybody that rides their bikes. She's a badass. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's cool to see that she would rather – that she got more out of competing for trying to get in that – break that top 30 barrier, top 25 barrier than she is in going out and just dominating oh, the women's stuff. The women's yeah. thing. That, yeah. That's cool. Like, And it's probably – she probably would get more exposure in the women's and maybe even more money, but the the fact that she wants to stick with bettering herself, that's awesome. Yeah. That's what we want to – Kind of My favorite thing is the fact that she remembers running over dogs. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> Let's take a quick commercial break. Uh, i got to make a work call, and we'll be back with Billy Edmondson. All right. If you want power, then you need Williams Moto Works. Wait, wait what, what was that? It's the Supercross guy voice. No. No, it's not. Sounds more like a Hulk Hogan promo. Well, that's good and tough. I like that. Dude, we aren't making a redneck commercial for a professional company like Williams Moto Works. He designs camshafts, built performance motors with CNC porting. So it needs to be tough and cool. A company who can reprogram ECUs, higher rev limits, and custom maps needs a professional commercial, dude. So, like, 
If you want complete power package from cams, portings, transmissions to ECUs, then contact Williams Moto Works at 414-467-6199 or follow them on Instagram at Williams Moto Works. That's Williams underscore Moto W-E-R-X. Or you can even email them at Williams Moto Works. That's Williams Moto and then W-E-R-X at gmail.com. Okay, that's better. Not good, but better. Fly Racing is back on board with the Moto X Pod show for 2021. What can we say that you don't already know? In 2020, Fly revolutionized the helmet game with the Formula Helmet. For 2021, they brought us the Formula CC with the same Rion technology and a tri-weave composite shell at a fantastic price point. Fly Racing also released the new light pant with a boa in the front. Visit flyracing.com to see everything Fly Racing has to offer from the moto, street, BMX, water, and even mountain bike lines. Once you try Fly Racing, you'll see why riders like the 2020 motocross national champion Zach Osborne, as well as Blake Baggett, gold medalist Connor Fields, and even the beast from the east, Damon Bradshaw, trust Fly Racing. There simply is no better. What's up, guys? This is the 70s trade out of Entercam. I'm here to tell you about Aturbis USA. For decades, Aturbis has been the leader in motorcycle plastic and accessories like full plastic kits, frame guards, chain sliders, hand guards. In 2020, they are the proud sponsors of Red Bull, Factory KTM, Factory Kawasaki, TLD KTM, and Rocky Mountain KTM, as well as many top privateers such as myself. All you got to do is go to AturbiusA.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and y'all better tell them Motorhead Pajo thank you. All right. Thanks for hanging around through the commercial break. If you guys are listening to the archives, I think we're figuring out the issues with the YouTube stuff. So hopefully by the next show, we'll have it dialed in. But our next guest is brought to you by Power Band Racing which is a suspension company dedicated to providing the best service and products. They are committed to developing new products that improve your ride. They want your suspension to be the best it can be. Based out of Minneapolis, they are a WP-authorized service center. From mini bikes to big bikes, Power Band Racing has suspension covered. Contact them at 320-983-3400. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And tonight, brought to you by Power Band Racing, the man behind it all, Billy Edmondson. What's up, dude? I can't believe I, I sponsored my own segment. I just thought that was uh, I thought that was the way to go with it, man. You know, we got. I, I like I like it. I like it. It's all good. So, man, it's you, all good. You have been on board with us, you know. Jeez, uh, probably for about four years now, I think. Um, you know, th- Hal Simpson got me in touch with you originally. He trusts you, and uh, we all know how slow Hal is, but he he does not put your suspension to a true test. I can guarantee you that. But. You guys are one of the leaders in the WP uh, as an authorized service center, man. Talk a little bit about what you got going on. Well, you know, we've had a, you know, we've had a good ride up to this point. And uh, I don't know if most of your uh, listeners know, but we're based out of the great state of Minnesota, which isn't really a hotbed for (laughs) motorsports. We do produce a few good guys. I mean, Ryan Dungey, Donnie Schmidt, these types of guys. I'm not going to say that we don't, uh, have some good guys up here, but, uh, boy, from a, uh, from a power sports motorsports side, it's been a struggle, you know, and born and raised here. And it, uh, it's just kind of came to a point where we're just like, you know, we really need to be somewhere where it's not 
so difficult to test and develop. I mean, for us, a handful of months and we're, you know, we have to travel so far. And I just started looking at it going, where are the, where are the hotbeds right now? You know, the industry is, there's obviously three places in, the, in North America that they gauge motorsports off of, and that's Florida, Texas, and California. Yep. You know, they're the three largest markets. And I'm not going to say that I hadn't looked at Texas at one point, but man, Texas is like Canada. <laughs> How so? It, the, it, it, you know, years ago, I tried going into some of the Canadian markets, and the problem is it's just so vast. I think truly there's people on the west side of Texas that never meet the people on the east coast or the east side of Texas. Oh, hell yeah. I'm not going out, I have out a, there. I, I work on one side of Texas and live on the other, and it's a nine-hour drive, and there's still three hours left yeah. to Texas. Yeah, I've yeah. never I've never been to El Paso or San Antonio. Never. Yeah. It, it could yeah, be its own so country. It, it, it truly could be. So from from that standpoint, you know, it, it, I'm – I imagine it's a fantastic market and, you know, we do have a, a good customer base and stuff. It just, you know, for us, California, really, not, there's no interest with that. Um, so when we started looking at Florida, you know, it, it, it hit a lot of the markers and, uh, you know, we kind of went back and forth on a few different things. And I kind of, you know, uh, I, I tested the waters in different areas of the industry to see what I wanted to do with the business. And in the end of the day, it came back to our core business, you know. Uh, we are a suspension, you know, company. So if it's not broke, don't fix it. But at the same time, you also want to always expand and, and really try to broaden. And for us to be in what's going to be central Florida for us, it's going to be, I think it's going to be above and beyond. Um, I don't see it being something that we're going to have to try to navigate, uh, too difficultly because we do have a good customer base. We do have a a lot of events in Florida that we've already invented at for years. So uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to be situated in a, in a town called Tavares, and it's just actually north of Claremont. Okay. About 30, about 30 minutes uh, east of Baker's Factory. I mean, we're really in a great area. Um, was able to get into a, a place that would fit our needs and uh, just super excited. You know, the only the problem is just it's always difficult as a business trying to you know, try to navigate moving a living, breathing business. I mean, we are a mail order business at, at times. So to try to not break the, the faucet, I call it. I mean, in essence, you're trying to turn off one faucet and turn on another and try to make them seamless. And, you know, that's why I'm trying to reach out to you guys and trying to get the, the word out. And we didn't want to do it too early to the point where you add confusion to uh, the business. But uh, I think now's the time to kind of let people know that, you know, and, and a lot of people think it's our second location. Actually, this we're you know we're going to be officially done in Minnesota, so uh, we're moving the whole whole infrastructure to Florida. Wow. We're all in. Dang. Yeah. How, how does your family feel about moving from the snow to Florida with the beaches? Well, you know, I'm blessed that I've got a family that's very understanding, and I have a, a, a loving wife that. Uh, some days wants to wring my neck, but, uh, you know, I, I, I would feel, I would, I would be sad if she didn't want to, because yeah. that just shows how much she cares about it. But, uh, you know, she's been with us since, you know, since the creation of this business and seen the highs, seen the lows. So, um, you know, and I've got older, you know, my, my kids aren't exactly kids anymore, you know, 18 and going to be 21 They're They're just navigating their, their lives and getting everything started. So we're going to kind of, uh, you know, take it as we go. We're not going to give up our residency here just yet. We'll, 
will go back and forth. But, uh, you know, just from a business standpoint, you know, when I was down there over the 4th of July, getting the building opened up and it's just got such a cool vibe to it. Um, you know, Florida in itself, I mean, it is, it's kind of a, uh, its own little area right now to begin with. I mean, whether it's political or taxes or all that kind of stuff, but it really is business friendly and, I like the fact that I can just see our business growing more and more down there. Yeah, well, that's why so many teams are, you know, talking about like stars moving, obviously, and I think some other teams are considering making the move, and it just it makes sense. Uh, what are your what are your plans? Like, you're, are you going to have a full on race shop? Is you know what what do you what is the infrastructure going to look like? Well, you know, so we're still going to have our suspension side. That's going to be you know, our our core our core business. Uh, you know, one thing that it's going to be kind of interesting is the fact that we have always, you know, had such a strong WP presence. Well, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, obviously our relationships with them over the years, but man, you know, at the same time, it does open up the marketplace and, and going back to, you know, testing and developing and stuff like that. I mean, we've never been anti to any other brands. I mean, I get calls for KYB, I get calls for show and it, and it has more to do with, I'm, I'm not going to be a, 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 a business that just takes on work to take on work. Yeah. Anybody can get in there and fumble around and move one shim in front of the other shim and then say, yeah, I revolved it. But at the end of the day, you're, you're truly trying to find those, those, those sweet spots. Florida kind of opens that up market up a little bit too. So, I mean, you might see us doing a little bit more KYB and Showa in the future. I mean, uh, we've always been a, a Showa Japan importer and stuff like that. So we have a good relationship with Showa, uh, so we'll we'll just kind of see how it goes when it when it comes to expanding into other suspensions. But same thing, I will you know full disclosure. You know, I'm I'm very passionate about WP. Everybody kind of knows that. Absolutely. Um, but it, but at the end of the day, I, I you know we can learn from any manufacturer. There's good points and bad points, and you know these bikes are so good. I mean, come on, you can't you can't walk into a dealership and not look at any model and go, I can compete on that. Oh you know, yeah, it's not, it's not 1988 where you're looking at an RM125 <laughs> going. The frame's going to break. Right, I mean, come right, on. right. Yeah, no, especially at um, an amateur level and the vet rider, especially like yeah, <laughs> any modern two or four stroke is just well beyond anything that most of us can use to its full potential. Absolutely, you know. Um, so, so the model is still going to be suspension based, but the thing that I've always wanted to expand into is, you know, some of the chassis stuff and the motor stuff. Now I'm not a motor guy, but I do, I do have an understanding of the business. Um, and that's one thing that I kind of, I kind of pride myself on a lot more is the fact that I still am very hands-on with the suspension, but I still love the fact that I'm still hands-on with each customer. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes businesses get too big and, you know, you know, the scenario at times where you just, I just want to ask, the, I just want to ask the main guy, just one quick question. <laughs> and when you finally get him over the phone, it's almost like you're bothering him. And it's like him or her, I shouldn't say just him, but, um, at the end of the day, it's like, you can teach a technician as long as you have good protocols, anyone. I mean, I could, I could teach any of you guys how to do simple things and then more elaborate things as you get more comfortable with, you know, being able to do multiple things at once. But at the end of the day, I don't, I shouldn't have to hire a sales guy. I want to talk to the customer. I want to help navigate through, especially when you're talking about, you know, something as elaborate as, you know, a kit and pro components and stuff. Those are big ticket items. I hate when I hear somebody say, well, I bought them and they sucked. 
<laughs> Why did they suck? Did yeah. they suck because no one helped you figure them out or were you just sold something or what is it? So I really do pride myself on taking the time and I'm really looking forward to this next uh, phase of our company and bringing on people. And I do have some good people that I'm not going to name names, but I do have some good people that want to come on board just because of the area and what our company has kind of grown into. But man, I, I still love the cool, uh, the cool vibe of a race shop. I mean, I, I, the other day I was watching some Carol Shelby uh, documentary and they talked about the race shop when it was in its early stages. And it was almost had this, just this cool vibe where the guys wanted to go have dinner and come back and Hang put a out. couple more hours in, yeah. hang out. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes our industry has lost that. I mean, look at some big companies, they have enormous turnover. So oh, yeah. from that standpoint, it's like, I want to grow at a real organic rate, but at the same time, you know, bring in the best of the best people and let them do their craft. Hey, I can sit up front and, and, and really manage that part of it. At the same time, I still love, I, still, I love looking at parts. I mean, if you brought me into a motor shop, I mean, I'm taking stuff apart in my head going, man, you could probably machine this or change this. And not based upon my knowledge of the motor, just manufacturing. I, yeah. I love every aspect of the bike. So uh, I'm looking forward to this next stage. I mean, I'm hoping that I think there's a big gap when it comes to East Coast race shops. And I know I'm not going to even put myself even on par with it, but I still think, man, how did JGR miss the mark on their consumer market? You know, they put so much emphasis on that race shop and, and pro racing. It's like, guys, there was people dying on the East Coast for your resources on the consumer side. Yeah, that's a but, strange you know, one. That's a strange. I, I'm very surprised that that didn't work. I do, too. I do, too. So I'm not going to say that's where we're at. Man, that'd be awesome. Yeah. To point a couple of years where, you know, we feel like we're we do feel like a young stage of you know, uh, a growing company that can really blossom. If, if we do everything right, we don't expand too quickly. Um, keep, keep the customer always in the loop. And, uh, you know, I, I always tell myself to, to reach out to the customers, even after the, after the service, after the sale. And it, it brings a smile to my face when I'll send out just some simple emails, just, Hey, thanks for your business. Hope everything is working good. Let keep me, keep me in the loop. And you get back these little responses and these long responses. And you're like, this is what we're in business for yeah. that I customer experience. I love what you're saying about your business model. Like I, I always say, like I, I started working with X brand, not because of anything other than the fact that when I called rich Taylor answered the phone and helped me out. And every time I needed something, the owner of the company was the one that took care of it. And like, you know, I wasn't passed off. It was clear. They cared about my needs and that's very important to me. I mean, I don't want to go to some place and not know who I'm talking to and just be like, oh, you're just a, n a number, basically. So what you're saying is very, uh, it, it's it's positive. It's what I like to hear. Yeah. I mean, the last thing you need is a, a handful of guys upstairs with headsets on that are just running exactly. defense exactly. for the lack of. And does that really, at the end of the day, mean that the, the technology is any better? I don't, I don't know. I mean, everybody's got their own stance and there are, you know, some of the advantages, some of the big companies do have is they, they race on such a level that they get to see all aspects, you know, the, the durability, all this kind of stuff. I look at it at the end of the day going, what if, what if I take the model that I've learned from, from being involved with WP and, you know, everybody's aware of 
factory services. That's what WP originally was built around was factory services in California. Mm -hmm. And that was an in-house, you know, wizard behind the curtain type thing. And then they kind of opened it up to the public, but it had, you know, a price tag obviously to it. But I look at that going, you know, at this stage, I mean, yes, KTM, Gas Gas, Husqvarna, uh, Triumph maybe down the road. I don't know if that, (laughs) but, uh, you know, from that standpoint, yeah, we're hearing things might be, might be something, but at the end of the day, you know, it is such a popular brand. Why can't we go after that market the same way? And it it doesn't have to do with going into elaborate modifications. I'm a big advocate of blueprinting. You can blueprint a suspension. It's, it's assembled, it's assembled on assembly line for a reason. It's about, you know, production costs and all this kind of stuff. And there's stuff that does get missed. Yeah. Uh, I, I took a set of 52 millimeter cone valves apart that came from Austria the other day the fork seal was in upside down <laughs> that came from the, the factory in Austria yeah. to the race department. So let's not assume that human beings aren't, you know, yep. uh, can't make mistakes. So wow. I look at the same time with performance going, could you take a production 250F, strip it down and put it back together better than stock just by using the factory specs? I think there's a lot to be found with that type of application. So that's the kind of stuff I look at from a business model going, a consumer would pay for that to know that that bike is put together better than production, much, much better than what a dealer could do. I mean, a dealers aren't paid to, to put motorcycles together. They're, they're paid to take them out of crates and get them on the floor. Yep. Yeah. So, exactly. um, out the door. so it's kind of, I'm looking at a couple different models, trying to figure it out at the same time. I'm not going to sit here and say, start sending me stuff. It's, it's, we're going to do it organically. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate even on the suspension side, I mean, you might hear once in a while we're all loan out a set of A kit, and you think, why would you do that? Well, I don't want you buying a six thousand dollars set of suspension if you're really in question of it. If you want to demo it, let's figure out a way where you could demo it. Well, same could be said with a with a motorcycle. I would love to have our shop be a type of resource where, let's say, a privateer from the West Coast can't afford to get his bike to the East Coast for East Coast rounds. Well, maybe we can build bikes where you could lease them out and have a, a privateer uh, ready type motorcycle that you could just lease for the weekend. I'm looking at all different models. Wow. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I think that's great. Yeah. So you, you brought up something about the A kit and that's kind of a question I had because you mess with the WP and the Showa and everything. When you mm-hmm. take like a uh, privateer rider, like a new guy coming in as a privateer, is there that big a difference between running like the A kit per se? I'm putting air quotes up. A kit, A kit versus the like the Showa converted over stuff for the KTM's. You get what I'm trying to. You get the question I'm asking. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's a couple different ways you can look at. Well, I should probably go back a little bit further, but. When you're talking about, let's say, WP cone valves, there's two versions of a cone valve. There's the 52 and there's the consumer 48. The 52 is just for rigidity, you know, flex and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of guys don't realize that the cartridges inside of a 52 are almost identical to the 48. So you're really not getting much advantage to it besides oversized tubes and that kind of stuff. Uh, But full disclosure, a, a single fork seal for a 52 is 80 some dollars. So nothing, oh, nothing that, nothing that a privateer wants to play around with too often because it's expensive stuff. But going back to 
a kit compared to consumer stuff. Um, there's some ways where you can build up to a certain point. I kind of call it the, uh, the pro-am kind of the uh, ceiling to it where a, a pro-am guy can't go any faster because the suspension can't be built stiff enough or rigid enough to handle what they're doing to it. Um, and actually a lot of privateers got off easy this year. You've seen how the nationals in the past, they dug them super deep, watered them. I mean, they were just war zones. Well, that suspension for practice for time trials needed to be twice as stiff as it needed to be just for those guys to go fast through that rough stuff. But then they make it into the main, the cameras come on, the tracks are groomed and they didn't need something that stiff. So there are certain aspects of it that you do need something a lot more uh, rigid. You know, the shocks have check valves in them. They have all this kind of stuff, no different than what the factory boys run. I mean, they all have suspension that is meant to have very little bleeds and stuff like that. So, um, but for a normal human being, we don't train the same way they do. So you take a top level guy like Elaine Shaw or some of these guys that are, are up in the ranks. Right. They, they train day in and day out. None of us are putting the time in on these road bikes and stuff. So you have the ability to ride something stiff because you trained on it all week long. So you can muscle through what a normal guy would say is ick. I don't want to ride something. It's rigid. <laughs> I feel, I feel every braking bump, Yeah. but they need, they need it that stiff because they can't trust the front end. If they come in, mock one and they go to put it down and there's it falls on its face they're going to be just ass over tea kettle so uh that's the big difference on why a, an a kit really matters for a privateer and, I, and they're, they're not always in their price range but if they can do it, it there's a, there's a lot of advantages to it um but you'll still see privateers running production stuff i'm not saying that there isn't companies that try to put pieces in there but end of the day you're just trying to have something that's consistent but it is a race part it does fail i mean you can you can see a motor on a pro uh supercross starting gate blow up you can see a shock act funny so these are racing parts we have to keep on top of them and we're not always uh you know aware of things that can happen and we just do our best to have navigate through them um so that track that track shock is that much better than the showa shock on the ktm you know, I've got a little bit of an opinion toward that, you know, and it has, it has to do with this. Look at the relationship KYB has with Yamaha. Um, KTM, the mothership, obviously has ownership of WP. Yeah. The companies have a lot of data that they shared. And, and I think you, you've seen it before where guys will say, well, I want to put KYB on my KTM because look at how good it was on the Yamaha. Well, Yamaha, you're dealing with this cast aluminum frame that's very rigid. Um, a KYB fork, in essence, at times has actually a lot of play in it from, from bushing clearances and stuff. So maybe the reason why that fork works so good is that it flexes and makes up for maybe the rigid frame. Well, you could say the same about a chrome molly frame on a KTM Gas Gas Husqvarna with how WP is. So uh, look at the, uh, a couple months ago, Kiefer did a test where they, they put WP on a, on a Yamaha and you would have thought they were going to you know burn him like he was a witch. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he didn't come back and say it was so much better than my Yamaha in my KYB vice versa. There's times where guys will call up and they're like, I had WP on my, uh, on my Husqvarna. I bought a Kawasaki. 
sell me Coneville. I don't know if I can. I don't, I, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm an honest business owner. You're not going to have the same feeling what you're thinking you're going to feel. It's, it, don't get me wrong. It's still going to be a good product. It's yeah. just, uh, you know, uh, at, at times I'm not the greatest salesman because it's like, I know what the customer experience needs to be at times. And, I, and then the last thing I want to do is just sell it because it's on my shelf. I want you to buy it because it's going to make a substantial difference. And I'm kind of, like I said, I'm, I'm torn on how, a, how a fork relationship and how a shock relationship correlates with the, um, with the different frames and stuff. And that's why, I mean, come on, you guys, you look at some guys, you know, that'll say I had a 2017 KTM and I loved it. I hated my 2019. Well, if you look at really the makeup, they didn't change that much, Yeah. but there are tolerance changes. There are material changes, welding, you know, all this kind of stuff that not going to be in the brochure. I don't know. Is the thing he treated a little bit more as a 20 hour frame that good. I don't know, but yeah. you know, guess what? Who gets the phone call when the bike's not working? <laughs> the suspension guy, <laughs> the suspension guy. Yep. Yeah. So Every he gets, time he gets thrown, out, he gets thrown under the bus and it, it could be something as simple. You know, look at these, look at these chassis, five millimeters difference on sag or fork height. And you could either love the bike or hate the bike. Yeah. So, so our job, which, like I said, going back to being on the phones is to help navigate the guys. Cause when you say, Hey, did you check sag and you get this five second delay? And it's like, I know you're not in Australia. So did you check this? So that's where we have to go through and just these little changes, you know, one line on the forks, how something is torqued. I mean, you could over torque a suspension, a linkage and stuff, or heaven forbid you throw a, an inexpensive rebuild kit in the linkage. Man, you you could throw the performance of that motorcycle off just by I saved twenty dollars on this special sale of a linkage kit. Well, there's a reason why these manufacturers make this stuff with these tolerances. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's, that was a long answer, def- but no, it's interesting though because I don't necessarily always think about stuff like that. So sometimes I do like, well, yeah, I'd, I'll save the twenty bucks. But when you say it like that, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, and there are, there are, you know, obviously there's, there's manufacturers that do make them for the, the OEM. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not throwing aftermarket under the, oh, bus. I know. it's, it's just <laughs> when, when you can take a shock off of a motorcycle and the swing arm and rear tire are still in the air, guess what? There's, there's something wrong here. So right. they might, they think it's a shock related. It's not shock related. <laughs> there's something else bigger going on here. So yeah, makes sense. Um, so what you're what you're doing is like you know a guy that's um, a team owner. You're kind of doing your passion. You're in a sport that you love. You know, like that's that's a dream. You know, that's I've I've always had that dream. Unfortunately, I'm not good at working on dirt bikes or anything like that, so I don't haven't been able to do so. But I just kind of wanted you to take us through a day in the life of a guy that's getting to do the race teams, kind of all that kind of stuff, and just kind of some of the pros and cons of of that. So you want to know my day. <laughs> well, not necessarily. Just like, you know, being a guy that's a, you know, that's a team owner, you own a race shop, just like what's some of the pros and the cons of, of that life? Well, let's, let's start here. You go to bed thinking and worrying about the business. You wake up in the morning thinking and worrying about the business. Um, but all, all aside that, you know, every day is, I don't go to work, you know, and, and I know that's kind of a cliche, but I don't work. I get to go to, I get to go do what I love every day, you know, and, and I came from a, you know, an industrial background many, many years before that. And those were things that I, you know, I always looked at how the, 
how the, the factory guys did stuff. I mean, I looked up to guys like Cliff White and stuff and I, I mean, and I tried racing pro. I mean, I had my pro license for a handful of years, nothing. I was a working pro. Yeah, I had yeah. to, I couldn't go to a national that I couldn't get back to my day job by Monday, <laughs> which sucked back then because that's when the nationals were on Sunday. Oh yeah. So, right. so you were, you were limited to about red bud Mount Morris if you really pushed it hard. Right. Um, but here's what I realized. I got to a point where I enjoyed working on the bikes more than I enjoyed riding them. Huh. Um, and you got to a point, you know, when you're 18, you're full of piss and vinegar, you'll, you'll hit anything. And then all of a sudden you start thinking about stuff, man, God, if I hit the deck, that's going to hurt. Well, the minute you do that, you should just stop. Not to say that you can't continue to ride for recreational, but you shouldn't try to race at that level because that's what you're thinking about. Yeah. But I, but I started to really enjoy and, and, and just dive into, um, suspension and, and different things like that. And, Man, it was a struggle. I mean, not that many years ago, you, you, I mean, this is, you couldn't find any information on suspension. I mean, it's, it's improved immensely, almost to a, a fault now to the point. Yeah, where it was all secret. May, yeah, maybe there's too much out there, but man, you <laughs> couldn't find back then. It was like they're, you know, they're showing, you guys ever open a manual to see how to bleed a shock in a Honda manual? It's the most backwards thing. I'm like, you're, you're telling me to fill it through the compression adjuster and not have it squirt oil at you? I mean, if somebody would have just showed you how to bleed it, you probably would have saved yourself a lot of headache and a few more t-shirts. But, um, so the day in the life is every day you get to go in and, and you get to, you get to do what you love, but you're also under the gun with, there's some days where you wish you could just be a plumber and go set a toilet right? because right. no yeah. one, no one's, no one's scrutinizing you because you siliconed the toilet in the crooked you're looking at suspension where every day people are expecting your absolute best perfection. And, and you have to navigate through that. And that's something that I I really, I never want to be disconnected in is that, that going back to it, the customer experience and, and understanding. And for me, it's, it's, it's easy to do moto and let's say uh, more supercross arena cross, because the reality is, you get a break every so many seconds when you're on a moto or a supercross track. So every so many seconds, you're readjusting your body in the air. You're getting a break from the suspension. Everything's resetting. I'll tell you, I still struggle at times with XC stuff because get on the phone with somebody that just got done doing a three hour race that has been touching the earth for three hours. They don't want to feel a stick a rock, a snake, but yet, but yet they want to jump into a ravine that's 15 feet deep and not bottom out. Yeah. yeah. So you, you really have to put your, your, your thinking cap on and go, okay, what am, what am I trying to do here? And I always, I always put a percentage on change just because I know there's, you can't, there's, there's no a hundred percent. There's no perfect circle in, in, in nature, all that kind of stuff. So I always try to set a standard of about 80%. If I can get the suspension 80% of where it needs to be, we could probably, you know, we can work with it externally after that, but I have to get to that point. I, nothing worse when you get somebody that had something done and you ask them how it was and they shrug their shoulders and I'm like, take it off. I don't want you riding it. I don't want my stickers on there yeah, because yeah. that's a, re- right. that's a reflection of my day to day. Um, but then you got the flip side of it. So you think, Oh, it's so, it's so glamorous at times you get to do this dream race shop stuff. Then you deal with inventory and no one has to to give you a newspaper to show you that right now it's tough out there. I 
I was really worried last year during COVID that the supply chain was really going to be tough. And, and everybody saw it was the greatest um, for motorsports. I mean, when KTM had 74% increase in sales, I mean, just astronomical. And you look at that going, that's, that's, that's fantastic, man, love it. But now, now we're seeing the, the results of COVID, um, the shortages. Um, there's, there's times where it's hard to get fork seals. Yep. Yeah. That's so so from a, so from a business standpoint, and, and I will say that as, as passionate as I am about um, building suspension, I'm also very passionate about being very cautious with how I spend my money. So I don't, I don't spend it foolishly. You know, we're, we're still a small business. So we have to look at our, our bottom line, whether it's bringing in oil in bulk and 55 drums, not having package waste um, to how we buy our parts in bulk. I mean, that's, that's a bigger part of the business at times. And I, I, I refuse to cut corners and go, uh, well, it really didn't need that today. But at the same time, I'm not, you know, don't get me wrong. If you send me a brand new suspension, I'm not going to play that song and dance and yank everything out of it, hand you back a bag of parts on a $12,000 bike you just bought and go, yeah, I had to change them out. No, right, that's right. Yeah. You know, let's be honest. So, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's all about keeping the, the, the chain of parts coming in and stuff. And, you know, for example, uh, Showa Japan, I mean, that's six to eight weeks to get a part. So you got to, you got to forecast some stuff to get it right. And, um, that's why we've been really good at focusing on our business model and not, not, you don't see me taking on beta or something that I really don't have a lot of knowledge of because I don't, I don't like something I don't have access to. If it's not a part that I can get my hands on, I don't want to go down the road of just buying some aftermarket piece just to put in there to say, well, I did it. So, uh, but I do, I, that's the right way to do it. I think that sounds smart. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping we can do the same with the race shop in Florida and stuff like that. Have, you know, a real good controlled environment. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not afraid to spend the money where it needs to, uh, when it comes to, you know, investing in tooling, that kind of stuff. I do love, you know, I love, I, I truly love the, the, the old school mentality with race shops when they, when they're making their own fixtures and stuff. I dig that. That's, that's the coolest thing in the world. Um, nothing against a block of wood for pounding cases, but there's just something cool about machined, uh, assemblies for putting stuff together. That, that to me just means quality. Yeah. I, I love it, man. That, yeah. TJ over here, he'd use the block of wood, but uh, actually <laughs> hey, I was sitting there thinking going, one of the best investments I've made in the last five years, I think was a case splitter and the, and the press to put the cases back together. The greatest tool ever. Yeah. Oh, it's, 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 it is the most uh, enjoyable thing in the world to have good tools, good instructions, and, and just the satisfaction when something goes back together and you're just like, damn, I did that. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's hard, you know, look at, look at being a young, a young kid and putting your first top end in a two stroke for the first time and kicking it over and it fired up and you're just looking at it like I brought it to life. Well, it's, it's just the enjoyment of, of motorcycles in general. I mean, everybody, it's, yeah, it, it never goes out of your system. It, it was, for me, it was the fact that I'm just too cheap to pay somebody. So I had to learn <laughs> how to do it. That's what it was all about. Yeah. yeah. Look at it this way. At least, at least you, at least you knew the work that went into it. Right. So the next time when it comes time to put it, you know, and hell, let's, let's, let's look at these motorcycles in general. They're, they're almost getting to the point where you need, 
really high-end tools, high-end programmers and stuff, it's going to get to a point, I'm hoping it doesn't go that fully, but will the consumer be able to work on some of this stuff down the road? I I don't know. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah. Well, Billy, man, it's uh, I'm excited for you guys. If you're listening as a listener, if you got WP suspension, you want to check them out. You got to hit up Power Band Racing on Instagram. Uh, definitely, once everything's up and running, it'd be, it, it'd be a cool spot to stop in and check out. Uh, you had mentioned in our text about maybe wanting to do some kind of giveaway. You got any ideas? You know, I'll kind of leave it up to you guys. Uh, you know, we always try to give back, and I, I, I feel bad that we haven't done more in the time we've, we've been with you guys and stuff like that at the end of the day, I mean, if you guys can kind of found a, find a way to, um, you know, a listener that is in need of something, you know, use your own discretion. And I always tell guys, you know, we're the, we're the type of business we try to give back whenever possible. If somebody was to call me up and say, Hey man, I don't need this. Can you help me with this? Yeah. It's not, it's, I'm not going to give stuff away at the end of the day, but right. at the end of the day, I also know that there are some people out there that are just, they're just trying to get through the day, trying to you know keep their stuff running, whether it's for themselves or for their kids. So um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to give a, a, a free suspension revalve away for one of your listeners. You guys, you guys figure out how you want to play it and uh, I'll take care of them. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I would love, love if you guys, uh, you know, if come supercross season or something like that, and let's say Orlando has a supercross, uh, have you guys come do the show at the, at the shop, that kind of stuff. It would, it, it would be awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely look into that. Any uh, reason to go to Florida. I mean, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah think... Especially in middle of winter, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, so you're going to, yeah. So you'll be busy for Minios. We'll be down there for that. So we'll have to stop by. Yeah. Many, actually Minios, we're hoping that'll be around. Uh, we're going to try to do our grand opening right before the week of Minios. Nice. So, uh, and, and I'll keep you posted and stuff. Uh, we're really, we're really looking at different avenues. And, and if your listeners have any ideas, that kind of stuff, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing cooler than having the whole industry come together and really try to come up with creative ideas. Uh, I've had, I've had dads reach out to us and say, well, do you guys do any type of schooling? You know, I'd actually consider that, you know, we just got our box van set up and I thought it'd be pretty cool to go out to one of these uh, facilities and actually do like a, a, a boot camp for dads that really want to learn how to adjust their kids' bikes, that kind of stuff. I love teaching. Uh, I, I, I like this, that. This, this next facility being, being something that we could do something like that, where maybe we're not showing you valving that kind of stuff, but let's just look at how the bikes are handling and what to look for and, and really just, the, the the grassroots types of stuff so these dads can dads and moms at the same time can really help improve their kids just by knowing what to turn and and kind of you know just come up with different creative ideas for this new location that'll uh definitely benefit our industry awesome well billy dude so much great content really excited for you guys again power band racing check them out on instagram hit their website up a lot of great information a great guy great shop and they'll take care of you, man. And they're supporter of the Moto X Pod show. So if you're a listener, you got to go support those guys that are helping us out. Uh, Billy, man, we will figure out the contest and we'll talk about it and get something going and get back with you. But we really appreciate you being a part of the show and what you're offering. Oh, I appreciate you guys and uh, keep up the hard work. Will do, man. Thank you so much. You bet. All right. See ya. All right. All right. Once again, Billy Edmondson with Power Band Racing. 
Uh, well, I don't. I, I saw you over there frustrated. Are we not figuring out the YouTube thing? Well, we got sound, and the sound's been good for quite a few minutes, but now the video's frozen, and it's, it's something with OBS. OBS is having all kinds of issues. Okay, but do you still think it's the laptop, the the speed of the laptop, or do you think it's everything the I've read had to do with like the CPU maxing out and not being able to keep up with the buffer rate? Yeah, yeah, but. I think we need to restart everything, maybe uninstall, reinstall OBS after the update. Let's put it on this laptop because yep. it's much faster, and we'll try it and yep. see if that, yep. you know, if it if it works the same or if it has the same problem because this thing's way, but way faster. But this one's way faster than this one. Oh, well, then, okay. Yeah. All right. But we'll figure it out. Yeah, let's call it a night. Uh, episode 205, I want to thank Cherby's USA, X-Brand Goggles, Torque One Racing, Shock Socks, All Sport Dynamics, Blood Lubricants, do not please go to Blood Lubricants and use promo code MotoX to buy buy some oil. You guys will not regret it, and it helps the show out a ton. Fly Racing, Power Band Racing. We just talked to Billy. Extreme Colors Helmet Painting, Berm Lords Graphics and Jersey ID. If you want a graphics kit or your jerseys done, those are the guys to hit up. EatRJerky.com. Use promo code MotoXPod21. Get you some beef jerky in your life. And Williams MotoWorks, all on board. Want to thank Derek Kelly, Jordan Jarvis, and Billy Edmondson. Uh, was it a completely smooth new show back? You know, getting back to it, but uh, it will content get was really good. What's that? The content, content was, was really amazing. good. Cool, cool. Well, that's that's the important thing. So uh, we'll be back maybe next week. Maybe we'll be figuring this stuff out. My uh, the fan thing's got to go because my sponsor reads are going <laughs> everywhere. But anyway, we're out of here, guys. Thanks.